you know, it's never, okay, great, let me call the district attorney. You know, it's never, it's never sure. that. Sure, yeah, okay, I, I see that. Yeah, so it's, okay, great, you know, copious notes, and then mm-hmm. let me vet that, let me investigate it. So then you go right back into, you know, the 1920s, you know, wear out the shoe leather detective work, um, mm-hmm. and you vet those, you know, ideas or, or leads. Testimony continued today in the most notorious criminal trial in Richland County history. The 12-year-old son finally took the stand. As I heard a scream, I heard a thud. We, the jury, find the defendant guilty. When I was 12 years old, my testimony sent my father to prison for murdering my mother. This podcast serves as a type of therapy and reconciliation for myself, and it is my hope that it helps anyone who has experienced deception, betrayal, and dark trauma. I'm Collier Landry, and this is Moving Past Trauma. Hey, movers. Welcome back to another live episode of Moving Past Trauma. I'm your host, Collier Landry, and what's going on? I'm very excited to have two really cool guests that are doing some really, really unique things in the law enforcement and criminal investigations world. That is a retired detective. Uh, New York Police Department detective, uh, Mark Pucci, and then intuitive medium, Kirsten Hathcock, who are joining us and to discuss their long-term working relationship in law enforcement and her using utilizing her psychic abilities in private investigations. I shouldn't say law enforcement, but in private investigations, looking for missing persons, uh, child, missing children's cases, missing persons cases, things of that nature. So, and unsolved homicides. So uh, I'm very pleased to welcome both of them to the program. I'm going to bring them in. And also, uh, a little later on today, we're going to have uh, Tara Newell joining us as well as part of the conversation. So please welcome my guests. I'm going to add them to the stream now. Hi, Kirsten. Hi. Hey, Collier. Hi, Mark. How are you? Welcome. Hi. Welcome. Good. How are you? I'm excellent, sir. Thank you guys so much for being here. And uh, this, is, uh, this is exciting. I know a lot of, our, a lot of my viewers have uh, really expressed a, a lot of interest in what Kirsten's abilities are and your working relationship and things of that nature. So I'm just, uh, I'm excited to have you guys here. All right. Uh, Mark, do you want to go first or do you want me to? <laughs> <laughs> As uh, Collier had said, my name is Mark Puchim, retired NYPD detective, and I've uh, been a private investigator for uh, equally as long now. Um, and you know, through, through the years um, of you know various investigations, uh, it, it really came to to my attention that um, even when I was you know a New York City uh, detective, there were a lot of um, you know cases that just dead ended uh, for you know a plethora of reasons. So in the private sector, um, these victims' families, or sometimes even the victims just looking for justice, would come to me and ask me, you know, is it possible to continue with these investigations? Um, and more, more than, than not, um, victims' families who weren't able to find justice um, or closure, um, you know, in finding out what happened to their loved one. So um, about two years ago now, um, uh, after Kirsten and I have been working mm-hmm. together since uh, approximately about 2014, yeah. um, I came to her with the idea that 
um, you know, instead of me just being able to do one show, I'm sorry, one uh, case at a time, um, what if we formed a not-for-profit um, where the sole mission was to, um, you know, raise donations and then be able to do multiple cases in multiple states uh, at the same time across the country and just help the, you know, maximum amount of uh, families and victims that we could. And that's how we ended up here today. <laughs> and I can tell even more of this story. Did we lose yes. Collier by some chance? Is oh, no, I just, okay. removed my, I just removed my... Oh, okay. Like, I was like... So you guys can be featured. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, okay. Got it. Now we understand how yeah. this works. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I will... I'll kind of give you a little bit of my, my backstory. So um, I was living life very normally until the age of 36 when I suddenly kind of out of the blue started hearing and seeing things that, that weren't there. Um, naturally, I'm a very scientific person, uh, and I believed that I was losing my mind. So I, <laughs> I thought at first, this is got this is nuts. Like there's no way that this is actually real. A few months later, after I actually sort of came to grips with the fact that I was awakening intuitively, and I started to get some validation from some of the folks I was reaching out to, I realized that this was actually very real. And most of the uh, most of the folks who were coming to me from the other side were children. I couldn't put it all together at first. I couldn't, you know, obviously figure it out because I wasn't brought up in an, in a family that believed in mediumship. Um, nothing about this was normal for me. Uh, but I also realized that there was there was a a thread of commonality, I guess I should say, throughout each one of the stories of the kids, and most of the time. All of the children had been sexually abused, and some of them had been killed by predators. And so I started to, to look at that. I started to look at patterns, and I thought, okay, well, that's if this is what I'm here to do, then I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. But why me? You know, why me? So I finally figured out uh, about two years after channeling and starting to work with law enforcement officers like Mark that they were coming to me for a reason. I had repressed a lot of uh, memories, I guess I should say, of childhood sexual abuse that I endured when I was between the ages of three and six. So I finally was able to tie it together. So not only were they coming to me for help, but they were also coming to help me understand I was in their club. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So that's a little bit of a background. Where Mark comes in, we actually, um, independent of each other, didn't know each other. We were working on, both of us were asked to work on a case in uh, Long Island. And a friend of mine just said, hey, I know you just kind of came out as a medium because there was a point at which I had to come out as a medium. And um, and I was very scared to do that. So I was I was glad that she was reaching out to me to ask me you know, for help, which was wonderful. So I said, sure, I'm happy to help. It was a missing, uh, missing person's case. And Mark happened to be working on the case as well, pro bono. And um, I'll let Mark take it from there. Yes. So um, in a very similar fashion, I had actually been, um, ref well, the, the, the now widow, uh, confirmed widow had been referred to me through a mutual friend um, who also had, um, you know, say connections in the in the woo woo, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like woo woo world. <laughs> um, you know, and um, it basically had uh, you know approached her and said, you know, 
I'm friends with the private investigator. You know, he uh, is is very you know invested in um, you know trying to help victims' families, and he may have the ability to help you. Um, so it it's this woman's husband. The Friday before Father's Day, um, vanished, um, and still to this day, never to be seen again. Um, so you can imagine, you know, she has two teenage children. She just lost, you know, let's say the, you know, primary breadwinner. Um, so she's dealing with all of these real world, um, you know, obstacles, plus the loss of her, you know, it's a childhood sweetheart. They had been together for 20 plus years um, and with no explanation, no, 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 no anything. And she had suspected that it was uh, some sort of foul play. Um, so, um, I was able to, to come in, um, understand or have her explain the main points of the case. I interacted with the, with the local County uh, police department homicide, um, squad, um, and in order to, um, you know, liaison with and bolster their, um, you know, investigation, uh, where they would have limited time or resources. So I was able to, you know, to do that. So I had been doing that for several months and then, um, you know, this, uh, now widow had said to me, Hey, I'm not really sure, you know, how you feel about this or if you'd be open to it, but, um, a mutual friend, um, has a friend who's, uh, you know, a medium and, uh, she's in, Flagstaff, Arizona. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, um, and she she just really uh, feels strongly and and wants to you know lend a hand and help in any way that she can. Would you be interested in speaking to her? So I said, you know, of course. Yeah. Um, so and then th that's that's where we had our initial interaction. Um, but but I had already done a tremendous amount of boots on the ground. You know, say what you would say traditional detective work. I had been doing you know probably close to a hundred interviews of coworkers, friends, uh, you know, others that, that had been identified that might have information. And right from the beginning, when even the first conversations with Kirsten, some of the, the things that she was putting forward, you know, I was, I was actually stunned. Um, I mean, in talking about it right now, I just got goosebumps again, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, 10, 10 years later, still, wow. still affects me, but um, it was, it was uncanny at how, you know, like you'd say, you know, the phrase like over the target, she was um, with things that were absolutely not public um, and, you know, say things that were just in my file that I may not have even shared with the, you know, like the homicide squad yet that, you know, like uh, say I, had, I was in between meetings with them, you know, to update them on any new information I had. And she was literally, you know, like citing things, including um, me zeroing in on a possible location where we thought it might have been a dump site, um, you know, for his body. I'll let Kirsten pick up. Or do, do I'm just watching Collier's face. So, <laughs> so that would be where you you sort of uh, realize that the woo woo might <laughs> might lead to just really valuable information. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Or even um, you know where you know and again. So I I'll use the phrase you know say tac tactile or boots on the ground. You know paper pen you know, camera, things of that nature that we would all consider to be, you know, like real world. And then mm -hmm. Kirsten is just coming in and saying, you know, I don't know, 
I get this weird feeling. I feel like like there, there's two bridges and then there's a peninsula and all this. And, and she has no idea of, you know, the, the topography in, in the area in New York or that I'm even, you know, venturing that I'm getting some information that would lead me into a place that has the two bridges, mm-hmm. <laughs> a peninsula. Um, and and I think the, the, the craziest part of it was and horses. Mm-hmm. Which at that point, I, you know, I said, OK, well, you know, there's something that's a little outside the column, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and then and then I did further research and th- there's boarding for for one of the racetracks that that's where they they vacation and board the horses <laughs> when when they cycle out of racing. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah. which I wasn't aware of at, at that moment until she put that in as one of the parameters of this location that she felt, um, you know, yeah. uh, strongly about. But, but, you know, and admittedly said, you know, I'm not really sure. Um, it's funny because Kirsten will, will you know, uh, like we all do, you know, she'll say, you know, I don't know if I'm crazy, but yeah. you know, so she'll always, you know, disclaim. And then, and then, you know, at, when she's right over the target, I'll say, uh, I'll confirm that you're not crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Which yeah. is always good. I will say well, that it's always a good yeah. thing to hear. Yeah. It's, it's, it's uncanny and in, in a very, very consistent fashion. It's uncanny. What she what she said. <laughs> Look at calling <laughs> your face again. <laughs> I just have to think. Well, first of all, I've seen some really weird stuff in my life, so I am yeah. I am no real skeptic of any of this. Like I just I'm like, yeah, of course this sounds normal. This yeah. Sounds, but how how do you explain this to law enforcement officials mm-hmm. who are used to like empirical data, like? So great question. Great question. So, and so you can include me in that from, from, you know, prior to meeting uh, Kirsten, but, you know, like in my, let's say uh, initiation or incarnation into, uh, you know, extra, you know, um, input or, or information (laughs) or woo woo, Um, you know, but, but it's funny. So, and, and, you know, say that this is my, my standard answer, even to the most, you know, just the facts, ma'am, stoic, you know, Uh uh, you know, like, uh, you know, the type types. Um, There's really, uh, other than the specificity and the correctness, which you verify later on, Mm -hmm. there's really no difference between that or somebody calling in a tip um, or, you know, other, let's say, non-direct evidence. Because as a detective, my job is to, to observe and, and, and collect as much information as I can, but also to process, vet, and then include or exclude other information that you would garner from many other sources. So this is just another information source. You know, it, it's never, okay, great, let me call the district attorney. You know, it's never, it's never sure. that. Yeah. Okay. It's, I, I see that. Yeah. So it's okay. Great. You know, copious notes. And then mm-hmm. let me vet that. Let me investigate it. So then you go right back into, you know, the 1920s, you know, wear out the shoe leather detective work. Um, mm-hmm. And you vet those, you know, ideas or, or leads. Um, and again, you know, in the end you rule in or you rule out. I almost feel like, when you're 
it's interesting you said that because you just treat it as another lead, right? Mm -hmm. So you just don't go because I, I, I guess that that makes total sense to me. Yeah. But I think even when you you think about the rise in in, in the end of the internet, right, and uh -huh. social media, I'm sure 20 years ago, or let's say even what are we 2023? So let's say Twitter came out in 2007 ish. You know when people mm -hmm. started knowing about it. So if you came came to if I came to you in 2008 and said there's these tweets that this guy has made, you'd be looking at me sideways. Yeah. So that's a good analogy. Is, I, yeah, I, it's I, a good I, analogy. It is. Yeah. I, I, I think that that makes a lot of that that, mm -hmm. that makes a lot of sense now. Whereas I approach you now, you'd be like, well, let's get on that right now. We've got mm -hmm. our social media team. Yeah. This seems like this would just be another same thing. So it's interesting that that could be a, just another tool mm -hmm. in the kit to really assist. And I, you know, I, to jump in, I will say, you know, Mark was not the first cop that I worked with. Um, he's, you know, he's my favorite, if I can say that, <laughs> uh, you know, we're kind of like family now after all these years. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, he's, he's like a brother <laughs> to me, which is pretty cool, but yeah. I had, I had a lot of great reception. And I think one of the reasons that people received the information and even my reach out well is because I was a furniture CEO who um, was not a quote unquote professional medium. Um, everything that I am doing, I just do on volunteer basis, which gets kind of sticky sometimes. I was literally up at like four o'clock this morning working on an NYPD cold case <laughs> with one of our other investigators, wow. um, trying to fit it all in in between everything else that, you know, that I'm doing. <laughs> I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, but, but that's sort of the reality, you know. Um, but yeah. what was nice about it is that there were a lot of, you know, a lot of the other detectives and the folks that I reached out to, they said, yeah, I want to hear. I absolutely want to hear. And I will also credit Mark. You know, he doesn't, really give me anything. And I prefer that. I absolutely prefer that because when I feel like I'm being, I'm tapped in and I get all of my signals that I'm connecting. Um, I want to, I want that to be pure. I want to know that those visions, what I'm hearing, what I'm seeing is real. And that's, that's really a great thing. And when we actually met Mark and I met in 2014, after we talked on the phone, he said, okay, why don't you just go like, go get everything that you can get psychically from Flagstaff. And when you come to New York City, let's meet. So we literally sat down in a diner and I had, he had his notes and I, you know, we did the, hi, I'm Kirsten. Hi, I'm Mark. Um, we sat down and opened up our notes and they matched, but there was, it, it was yeah. important that there was no way that I could have known. And that, you know, so it was, it was really it's really cool to see that happen because I think this is something that should be normalized more. And that's why I'm talking about it. Um, I was scared to talk about this for a very long time. It took me about three years to come out and talk about it. But I think intuition is something we all have. I think we all can have moments of recognizing that our loved ones on the other side are guiding us and are here. And I think the more we normalize intuition, the better off you know, we're all going to be. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I remember, this is my own experience. Mm -hmm. And I remember sh shortly after, so when my father was convicted for my mother's mm -hmm. murder, I went on like a vacation with my uh, foster family at that time. We went to mm -hmm. Chautauqua, New York. Mm -hmm. And, and they were, they wanted to adopt 
my adopted sister. So they didn't want anything to really do with me. And this was actually the first time in, because when I was as the witness against the chief witness against my father, right. Mm -hmm. I was sort of isolated for a really long time, even though going to school was something, but I wasn't really, wasn't allowed to watch television, wasn't allowed to read Mm -hmm. newspaper, things of that nature. So, uh, because of the nature of the case. So Mm -hmm. I, um, I, was the first time on my own and I was, and I was yeah. walking around Chautauqua, New York, uh, which for those of you who haven't been there, it's a really mm-hmm. cool little college town, theater town. It's, it was very groovy. And I just remember being downtown and I smelled, my mother used to wear Chanel number no. five, which I guess is like a lingaling is where it mm-hmm. comes come mm-hmm. from. Mm-hmm. And I had this, I smelled her perfume. Mm-hmm. And then I, looked and I saw my mother had a blonde ponytail. That was her thing. Always had her hair in a ponytail and wore like mm-hmm. a, like a, she wore a lot of jumpers. Yeah. Uh, and I saw a woman move, move past and, mm-hmm. I went, and then they just disappeared. And I was walking around Chautauqua mm-hmm. and like trying to chase this. What I, what I mm-hmm. then concluded about an hour later as a specter. Right. Yeah. Because I, and I think I realized that like that was because that was the first time, like I said, mm-hmm. that I actually had any freedom. Yeah. So where I was on my, and, and if you, mm-hmm. if you looked at that point, at that point in time in my life, that would have been the first time where I was really on my own because the trial had, my father was convicted. The trial had been put mm-hmm. to bed and now I was on sort of quote unquote on my own. And you had, yeah. I had that experience right there. And, and I mm-hmm. thought, and it's always haunted me. And I guess I want to ask your yeah. professional opinion, yeah. Kirsten. Yes. I feel like that was my mother saying, you're going to be okay. You don't need it, me. Yes. In that she's with you, honestly. Um, I, as I'm listening to you, one of my tells, um, and I think this will probably relate to a lot of people watching and listening, it are chills. So I will get chills up my legs. Uh, when I hear something that is truth. And that's exactly what was happening while I was listening to you talk about that. Um, And I can relate to the fact that when I first started to awaken, I also would see um, children out of the corner of my eye run across my kitchen floor. And, and it is, it's trippy, right? You're, you're literally like, wait, what did I, was somebody just there? Or you'll feel a presence sort of watching, but you turn around and no one's there. So there were a lot of to coming to grips with that and, and kind of getting my conscious brain to move out of the way so that I could tap in more to my intuition, which is more subconscious based. It took a while. It took a while, but that was exactly what happens in the beginnings. You'll see flashes. You might hear, you know, hear things. You might smell the perfume. I had the same, same type of thing. So yeah, please know that that was absolutely her and she's still with you. She's, you know, she can pop in and out whenever she wants. And you can ask her to show you signs um, for her to show signs for you. And you can get really specific about them. And they might show up differently than you than your rational brain will think, but they'll show up. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I, I something that I, I just again, this is probably what Mark was saying when, when she mm-hmm. started talking about things that, that were making sense. <laughs> like that's how that appeared. Um, yeah. So Tara Newell has joined us. So I'm just yeah. going to oh, p- pop her in too, okay. because Tara, Tara is a big fan of the woo woo. Yeah. So I'm going to add her to the stream. <laughs> Welcome Tara. Aww. Thank you for having me. I am a big fan of the woo woo. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hi, Tara. It's good to see Hi. you. Nice Hi. to meet you, Mark. Hi, Tara. Nice to meet you as well. Uh, so, and then Brenda says, me too. So everybody's... Uh... Oh, good. <laughs> I think that there's a lot of people that are fans of the woo-woo. Perfect. Uh, so, yes. Uh, so, I'm sorry. So, uh, here, so, Tara, why don't you tell the audience really quickly how we know each mm -hmm. other and how you know Kirsten and how yeah. this all came together really fast. Well, Collier and I met on his podcast, Moving Past Trauma, mm -hmm. which was Moving Past Murder back then. And then we just connected. We're creating Survivor Squad now, and that should be coming out soon. I'm sure Collier will say more about it. And then Kirsten and I connected because of my mom. <laughs> and how would people know you and your mom? So people would know my mom and I because of the show Dirty John or maybe the podcast or mm -hmm. maybe you might know me as a zombie slayer. <laughs> There's the woo-woo. There's the woo-woo <laughs> coming out. So Aww. Tara has been sort of the uh, the the uh, glue that has united all of us to here for this wonderful live episode of Moving Past Trauma. So um, so Kirsten, mm -hmm. why, why so what was the most so actually this is for both you and Mark. Okay. How, okay. What was the what was the like the the first investigation that you guys did together? So that investigation was the first one that we both volunteered on where we didn't know each other. We met up, you know, for the first time in New York City where we opened up our notebooks and they were basically the same information. We continued to work on that case. And Mark can give a lot, of, a lot more detail on the day of um, mm. the day that he actually went to investigate the location that I had, um, I had given him information on. And then, of course, his boots on the ground had confirmed that. So I'll let him sort of take it from here because he was the one in the hot seat. But um, I didn't know he was going where he was going that day. Let me just tell you this. And I had this feeling in the morning I was getting this message like you've got to call him, call him, call him. He's in danger. He's in danger. So I called him. And, and again, we didn't know each other all that well. And I was still, um, you know, still trying to be very cautious, I guess. I didn't want to scare him. But I also was like you know, maybe I've had too much coffee today. Maybe I'm on too much caffeine, you know, <laughs> but I, so I, I called him and I said, Mark, I'm concerned. I'm really concerned. I'm getting this message that you're in danger and you really need to pay attention today. And so I'll let you, I'll let Mark tell how all that worked out. Okay. Yeah. So to, to, uh, to second what you had said, um, even after we met, you know, our interaction was more, um, you know, just cursory updates or if Kirsten felt that she had information, she would come to me. And, and as she alluded to, I was very, um, very deliberately covetous with my actual investigation um, because I just felt like that just provided more validity when and if you know, Kirsten would come with with uh, you know, additional information. So. With that being said, I had planned, and because I was doing the case pro bono and and others that I've done pro bono, I, you know, work my schedule around where I'm doing, you know, paying clients work, um, and then I I know that I'm going to be in a, in a certain area, and I'll say, okay, well, I need to do these tasks for this case, which I'm 
you know, a missing person or, or an unsolved homicide uh, or a cold case. Uh, so I'll say, you know what, I have, you know, several tasks for this case. So on my way back from doing my paying clients work, <laughs> um, you know, I'll, I'll integrate that into it, you know, so I'm passing through and, you know, I'm actually probably still on the clock in some cases. Um, so that, that, that was just the most effective way that I can do it. So you know, and with that, there's there's a lot of, you know, change and, you know, and different things. So it was very, very flexible schedule. So I literally had no um, communication with Kirsten that I was going to be heading out, you know, that next morning um, on my way back from a, a very, very early morning door knock, you know, um, mm-hmm. several miles away from from this location where I felt I really needed to to go there take some photos and really, really investigate the area to see if, if there might be, you know, like the telltale you know, disturbances of, you know, um, like a lot of the, you know, like shrubbery or vegetation or things that might be indicative of, you know, it being disturbed in a possible um, dump site. So uh, this morning before Kirsten reaches out to me and of course with her, you know, her normal disclaimer, you know, you're probably going to think that I'm crazy. <laughs> no. No. I've stopped but, saying that as much, but I still say it because it's yeah, still yeah. crazy to me. Yeah, always. I, well, I, I can vouch that we've, we've mostly moved past that now. Yes. It's only in certain situations we'll just say, you're going to think I'm crazy. But anyway, so um, so she reached out to me, um, you know, and it must have been very, very early Arizona time because it was very early New York time when she reached out to me, um, you know, probably prior to sunrise. Um, and she said, listen, you know, I- I'm I'm just getting these really uneasy feelings. I have problems sleeping. You know, like I just please just promise me that, you know, you're going to be careful. You know, you're, you're not just going to get caught up in what you're doing. Um, you know, I just feel that um, there's a certain how do we say this, Kirsten? Um, in, the, in the past, we've said there's ethnicity? a certain, yeah, certain ethnicity or um, place um, in an Eastern European country mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that may be involved with this here in the, you know, in the states, and I, I feel concerned, and and it would be an organized organization. We'll just say that. So, um, okay. wink, wink, wink. Right. So, um, so I said, okay, you know, I appreciate that. Of course, you know, I, I value, you know, your concern and I will make sure, you know, that I subconsciously, I make a mental note. So I go about my business. So then it's literally the next morning. Um, I travel to where I need to go and I'm like, okay, great. I actually finished earlier. I'm like, this is perfect. It's, it's a beautiful sunny day. You know, I'm, I can spend as much time as I want now because I don't have any other time constraints. Plus, with taking the pictures, I planned on sending the pictures to Kirsten and, and mm-hmm. saying, you know, do, do you do you get any feeling? You know, do you do you have any, you know, um, you know, emotions when you're looking at these specific areas? So I park a little bit off site, which is, would be a common investigative technique, you know, park right at the location in case you have to uh, make, you know, make your getaway. You don't want to have, you know, people know what your car is or whatever else. So, you know, I take all the standard, you know, just precautions and I, I start to head out. So I'm on foot and it's a, it's an area that's, um, it's kind of a marshy, um, you know, beachhead type of area, but I'm on the approach to it, which is probably about a mile. 
but it's it's one of those roads where it's the two it's the two you know tire tracks and then the the grass ribbon in the middle, but it's narrow and a, a, you know only one vehicle can go by in a direction at a time, so it happens to be a very popular you know, um, you know, uh, surf casting or fishing. Um, a lot of guys will go there to surf and stuff like that. So there's a, just, just a, you know, a, a normal just flow of pickup trucks with surfboards in them, fishing poles, everybody driving by, you know, just giving the wave because everyone's happy, you know, they're going fishing, they're not going to work. <laughs> so everyone's very friendly um, in New York, which, which is something to say as well. You know, people waving to each other and acknowledging each other in New York might not happen every day. <laughs> right. you, know, you know, like, like, hi. And I'm like, what do you want from me? You know, like, you know like, what, why are you talking to me? We're in New York. You're not supposed to do that. You know, like one of those type of things. Uh, all kidding aside to other New Yorkers. I'm sorry. But anyway, um, now, so. Um, <laughs> So, you know, so, so that, that's everybody that's passing by me, you know, and I would say dozens, dozens of individual, you know, people going in or people that had been there maybe for the sunrise and now we're leaving um, perfect interactions. So I'm, I'm, there's a little bit of a berm and I'm just kind of backing my way up so I can get an, uh, you know, a more of a, of an overhead view looking down at a marshy area where I can see, you know, there's some just, you know, kind of construction debris and some other, some other, you know, uh, you know, like garbage and stuff like that. So it, it piques my interest. I really want to look at it. So as I'm backing up, so now I'm a little further away from, from this one lane, you know, uh, road. And I sense that there's a car is, is not passing me. He's just lingering in that spot. So I just kind of turn my head, you know, just casually just to, just to kind of, you know, just give a quick peek at who this might be. And is, you know, a pretty, uh, let's say, you know, stern looking man um, behind the wheel. And he looks at me and, and says in that accent that I was mm -hmm. very generally <laughs> alluding to a little bit earlier, you know, are you lost? Do you, what are you doing here? You know, and I just kind of looked at him and I said, no, I'm good. Thanks a lot. And I, for all intents and purposes, I just turned away and, you know, more or less just dismissed him without actually really engaging with him. I just, you know, OK, see you later. Um, and then I sensed that he now rolled up again very, very slowly. And he was paralleling me as I was walking. Um, and now his tone of voice changed. And his accent became much more pronounced in his anger. Um, and the hair on the back of my neck stood up. And that subconscious red flag immediately triggered because that's exactly what Kirsten had described that morning before. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you can't deny, I mean, it's literally the early warning system. And as I'm saying it, I'm- I know, me too. I'm like chill, yeah. You know, um, and I, and I, it just, it just registered. And, um, you know, so I, now I turned to him with my demeanor was much different. I want to say, you know, I went into, you know, my NYPD, you know, confrontation mode, my tone of voice changed, you know, my, you know, trajectory of how, you know, how I was standing, the trajectory of my voice. And it became more of more of a, of a command rather than a conversation 
um, and, you know, our little back and forth, he was actually at that moment when I turned toward him, it, the door of the, of the truck, it was, it was an SUV, was just slightly open. And it was the start of him putting his left foot out to step out. Huh. Um, and also, anybody who's in law enforcement will appreciate my next statement. Um, I noticed that his, uh, I'll just say his right shoulder was dipping down and he was leaning forward. So he was close to the steering wheel as if he was, you know, reaching for something that was yeah. in the front of the seat <clears throat> or on the floor or in the, in the pocket of the door. Um, so I always just, uh, you know, out of habit, um, I, in situations when I'm working, I always legally carry, you know, a concealed firearm um, for my safety because I'm dealing with people that, um, you know, are not very fond of possibly, you know, losing their freedom. Yeah. Um, or I may run into someone who previously lost their freedom and recognizes me. Uh, so <laughs> it's always an added, an added thrill to a day. Um, so, you know, I, I just made the motion and, you know, unconcealed it. My, I, I believe I, maybe I had, a, it was the spring. So I, I maybe I had a golf shirt on and I just had it, you know, out untucked. So I moved it so that it was in plain sight and I didn't, you know, remove it from the holster, but I put my hand on it and I saw him look right at it. So he was acknowledging, I see it. Um, and then you could see he reconsidered because I mean, I used the phrase, I had to drop on him, you know, I, mean, I, got, I was already positioned and he was still in the process of moving or attempting to move out of his truck. So he stopped what he was doing. His, his left hand, which was like opening the, the door came out on the outside of the door and he pulled the door shut toward him. Huh. And then without breaking eye contact with me, he started to slowly continue to drive away. Even to the point where he was, he was looking back at me without breaking eye contact with me. So as I mentioned before, this road is very narrow and it's probably close to it. Where we were, it was probably a half a mile before there was this, a, a spot where it was a little wider and you could, you know, affect, you know, like a, uh, some sort of a U-turn to come back. So I, I waited a little while. Again, we're still looking at each other. <laughs> And now he's, you know, almost almost looking backwards and then going to the side view mirror on the door and still looking at me. Um, and then he made just a little bit of a, you know, around around a soft turn where we lost sight of each other. And then I made my way very deliberately back to my car. And then I moved even a little further off site and waited for him to come out. And then I followed him. Because at this point, I need to ID who he is and find out who he is. So I went yeah. into counter surveillance of him and I followed him. He went about a mile to, you know, like a local bar um, and I got his license plate and then went on my way. But um, probably within five minutes, less than five minutes of leaving, you know, after I recorded his license plate and and decided, it was, you know, there was nothing more I could do. Um, I immediately called Kirsten. <laughs> Um, and just went, you, you know, you're never going to believe wh what, what just, happened, what just yeah. happened. And I mean, I could just say this, you know, um, with the utmost sincerity, her, her 
giving me that warning caused me to have such an early warning of what this, you know, potential danger was that I truly believe he wasn't going to get out to talk to me. That, that was, that was a confrontation. Um, and I averted that and probably we were going to be five feet, four or five feet away from each other. That's how close we were to each other. Um, it would have either been some sort of a gunfight or, or other type of confrontation, but I averted that. And there's a good chance that Kirsten probably saved my life because if he got the drop on me with, with the aggressive posture that he took, you know, without provocation and in that short, short period of time, um, you know, he was there for one reason. Um, and, and what uh, I think what I neglected to say before was part of what Kirsten said was be careful because I think you're going to be right over, you know, the target and they're watching this location because the person that we're looking for is not the only person that's there. So this could be almost like a dumping or even if it's a temporary dumping uh, spot, you know, uh, pending, you know, movement to a permanent permanent area for any of the uh, any of the remains. So we, uh, we by the way, we have uh, reached our first hater who uh, Bobby, <laughs> Bobby has said, quote, me, you guys are delusional. Mediums don't exist. You're all frauds. Uh -huh. Keep stroking your ego. It's common. I, you know, it is what it is, honestly. Um, and that's okay. I was not a believer in any of this until I was 36, you know? Um, yeah. I think that, you know, I hear that quite often and that's okay. Um, what I do is I focus on the work that Mark and I are doing. I focus on the messages that I can share. Um, and that's, you know, that. I know why I'm here and I know what I'm doing. Um, and I'm, I'm happy to be able to do that. Well, it sounds like they're very disconnected to their intuition maybe as well, you know? Yep. Yeah. Well, like I said, I would have said that years ago too. I mean, I didn't believe in any of this stuff, mm -hmm. um, let alone, you know, to have a decorated NYPD detective believe in it too. Kabi Kabi you know. does does own a bunch of cryptocurrency though. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Wait, wait, I'm just kidding. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But you know. Yeah, because I because mean, that, yeah. <laughs> so, well, I was gonna say be, oh be, because that's real. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well. Oh my uh, gosh, that's anyways. funny. Uh, live and live and let live. Yeah. Uh, well, you yeah. Know, uh, it's it's uh, it is interesting. Um. So, but on that note, on, yes. on Kabi's note, so if you, let's say if something like this leads to a conviction, is there grounds to, is there, is there case law involving any, this, this type of work that you guys know of? Not, not that I'm aware okay, of, but, but you know, as we, uh, you know, discussed earlier, anything that would be, you know, uh, say uh, an informational assist uh -huh. um, is fully vetted and then, um, you know, needs to, needs to rise to the level of reasonable suspicion, probable cause, you know, um, you know, the laws of evidence. So, um, anything that is shy of that, you know, wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to, you know, 
use it in any type of uh, you know arrest or prosecution. So it's almost like the chain. So there's this there's the chain of title is this is just this is almost treated as if somebody called a hotline in a in a way and said I saw this mm-hmm. person do the, the you know exactly that could be somebody making something up and that could be so it could be treated along that same line so the chain of title still goes down to an investigator had to look it up had to verify the evidence and then had to pose that to the prosecutor as evidence and then that was used for conviction so it doesn't yeah. matter whether it's a tip line whether it comes up from the twitter sphere or no. whether it's or whether it is something else uh somebody brought up a, an interesting question uh brought up the lori lori vallow daybell case mm-hmm. which i'm sure you guys are aware of right mm-hmm. what's going on right now mm-hmm. she's on trial and she and this actually stemmed from tara making the comment about zombie slayer because uh famously <laughs> she was saying she is uh, has been on record saying that she thought her children were becoming zombies which she used as a mm-hmm. as a way to say that people were not in the faith that they believed or were yeah. not if they were possessed uh what what separates that type of belief, which I would say is is a bit diluted, mm-hmm. versus something that is a, 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 almost a, a transcendent of both worlds and, and where you're connected to something in spirit in that way? Where where, where do you def- separate that line as a as a as an yeah. intuitive medium? Yeah, that's a great question, honestly. And it's one that I've thought about over and over again. And like I said, I come from a very scientific background. Um, And so for me, honestly, I went to quantum physics. I started to look at everything I could that had to do with how is this possible? Is this the electromagnetic field? Um, how, How am I connecting this way? Um, And I fully will say that I could get to the end of my life and be on the other side and think, well, that was bull. Like I didn't have all that. Right. You know, I, I, I'm flying by the seat of my pants, but I will also say that, you know, people in my position who are, like I said, I feel everyone has intuition and everyone can have mediumship moments. Some folks um, can expand on those if you really work on that. And then some folks are just dialed up a little bit higher. And I feel like uh, what I went through as a child dialed me up a little bit higher as well because it's um, I disassociate, I can compartmentalize um, being a childhood sexual abuse survivor. So, you know, I, I really think that, I, I think that you have to, first of all, you have to be um, very brave <laughs> and courageous too, as you can tell, right? We're getting slammed in some of the comments. Um, you have to be brave to come out and do this type of work because it is not something that is mainstream yet. We're getting there, but it's not. Um, and I also think that, you know, just like doctors, just like any other profession, just like cops, you've got some that are really well intentioned, intentioned and they are very heart centered and you have some that are not. Sure. It's going to be that way across every single industry. And, um, using intuition, I think is, you know, is one of those things that I think we all should look into. Um, And I know myself, I I have talked to countless people who have said, I read your book, I heard your story, I never believed, now I believe. And it's because of, thank God, people like Mark, you know, who say, I'm going to listen to you. And I'm going to learn too. And guess what? Now I believe even more. So I think, you know, it takes courage, right, to be vulnerable and to be open 
to yeah. things that are outside of the wheelhouse that we're not, you know, that are normal. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's interesting that you guys have also just connected and then there's truth to it. You know, there's actual facts and evidence yeah. that there is truth to what's going on with Kirsten. <laughs> yes. And, you know, I will say what I have found is that, you know, a lot of times people will say, well, did they go online and did they look that stuff up? When you are connecting to the other side, they're giving you information that is not online. They're giving you, I mean, I can give you an example. Um, I have, a, there's a family that I channel messages from their son and their son has helped me a lot too. So it's kind of reciprocal and they're from my hometown. So naturally I was very nervous to reach out to them when I did. And their story is, is in my book as well. Where we this based in? This was Nate actually. Okay. Yeah. This was and by Nate. the way, what it was, and by the way, what, go ahead and plug your book. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Little Voices, it's called, because mostly children um, are in my life. Oh, thank you. Oh, that's nice. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so I reach out to Nate's family, and I'm terrified. I don't want to bring shame to my parents. I don't want to be the crazy lady um, who is doing this. And I, I, and most of all, I don't want to hurt them. They lost their child. Um, anyhow, I channeled for them. Um, they just kept saying, I cannot believe that you know, the information that he was sharing, there's no way anyone else could know it. Well, just recently he came back in again and he knew his mom was struggling. And a lot of times they'll come in around their birthdays, anniversaries, when there's a struggle at any point um, and because they want to help support. So he comes in and he has like a list, a checklist of things. And, you know, one of those checklists, um, one of those things was actually a song. And so I'm like, Okay. I said, all right, this is Denise. This is really strange, but I'm hearing that song driving in your car, turn on the radio. It's really bad rendition right there. But it, I think it's the pointer. I think, it's, I think it was the pointer sisters. Right. And I said, I don't know. He's showing me. I know I'm not, I'm not a singer. So um, he's showing me that he's in a car and, and he was 13 when he died. Right. And he's backing out and I'm hearing the song. So I said, does this mean anything to you? And she goes, well, let me call John. John is the father. She calls John and John said, that song has been stuck in my head for two weeks. I cannot get that song out of my head. Um, I mean, I, I can go on and on and on of those types of things. Um, I've, I've channeled foreign languages that I don't know, and I've shared that information. So it's really interesting, you know, being on this side of things now um, as a former skeptic to know that that is exactly what happens. There's a lot of evidential messaging that happens first. You, it's interesting you mentioned the Pointer Sisters because, um, <laughs> well, I, I was probably the last person to photograph Anita Pointer before she passed away. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, I was actually doing a documentary about them and then she passed away. Oh, <laughs> so, wow. Well, full disclosure, God rest her soul. So yeah. she was a wonderful, Aww. she was a wonderful uh, woman. And um, yeah, she was really, my goodness, the Aww. stories that she was telling were just fascinating. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry to her for my singing. <laughs> right? It's okay. But, uh, but yeah. And I want to say thank you to Elizabeth Joe Collins, who just contributed a super, super sticker. And, uh, oh, very nice. Very sweet That's of her. Great. That's Thank great. Thank you so much. Oh, that's wonderful. Uh, we love that because all the all the little donations and Patreon contributions mm -hmm. and little stickers uh, helps to keep this program uh, 
up here and have interesting guests like you guys. Yeah. And, you know, it's it, normally I'm just I'm I'm trying to really branch this program out. Yeah. To talk to people like yourselves that are a little little as we said the woo woo, but mm -hmm. I think that these things are interesting. <laughs> and and uh, one of the and, and I and I don't have the comment pulled up here, but somebody had mentioned because a lot of people are people of faith, right? Absolutely. And, and, yeah. and, uh, for them, that's, that's how they, they, mm -hmm. how they prefer to, to believe. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. I guess that makes sense. Right. But somebody said, you, they've studied the Bible for, I believe 32 years and they definitely mm -hmm. believe in the spirit world and the connections mm -hmm. that you guys are talking about. So mm -hmm. again, even, yeah. even when you are a person of faith, it, it, that doesn't do, I think what they were saying that was to say that even if you are a person of, uh, of faith mm -hmm. who believes in a particular religion, you can't deny that there is a spirit world that exists and that's not a threat to your faith. That's actually an enhancement to your faith. Yeah. Confirmation. Yes, absolutely. And I feel the same way. I was brought up Baptist. Um, I love God. I love Jesus. I love, you know, all of, <laughs> all of the, what I would call ascended masters as well. Um, if you, if you're talking on the woo woo world, but I, I think that's such a good point to make is it doesn't have to be one or the other. And I know that um, there's a lot of fear out there about this. And that's really the main reason people resist it because it's unknown. Yeah. That's a, that's a nice comment. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, yeah, it's the, it's the fear of the, it's the unknown. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, um, it's interesting. So, uh, so how did all this, uh, because you guys started a foundation Yes. Correct. Na yeah. So I'm going to butcher it. National Institute of something. Yeah. <laughs> it's right behind it's, him. <laughs> it's, it's right behind me. So Brenda, Brenda actually yeah. pointed out that, uh, that when the, when the print is small and Collier's not wearing mm -hmm. his glasses, but I can see it. National oh, yeah. Institute for law and justice. I can read Yay. it though. I can read it. It's just what I wear all day. <laughs> that I'm you see, I wore mine this time. Yeah. Right? I, I was like, I got to see you I need to get, I see I need you to get an eye exam. Yeah, we talked about this the other day. That's I know. Right. I need to get an eye exam and get some new glasses, but that's yeah. uh, that's uh, for another day. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, but anyway, we did. So. We did. I mean, and we're so excited about this. We've been around for almost a year and a half now, right? Yes. Since we got our 501c3. Um, and I'm going to let Mark speak to this. I mean, it really was an interesting, well, I'll speak first and then I'm going to let Mark Go. speak. Yes. So I Please continue. Up, right before, right, you know, around probably the six month mark of us working together. I remember getting the message that we were going to work on something bigger down the road. It was going to be a larger institution. It was going to be something larger, um, a larger umbrella. And I had no idea what that was going to be because at that point, um, you know, I'm still running my furniture company. I've got two kids. I'm, you know, just living normal life aside from channeling and, you know, working on cases. And, uh, and then Mark knew exactly when that was supposed to happen. So I'll let you take, take that away. So, and thank you. But um, I think also important to, uh, to say that at that time, so this is around 2014, mm -hmm. um, Kirsten was already very, very dialed into, you know, with some of the kids, um, mm -hmm. you know, um, abductions mm -hmm. and uh, human trafficking. Um, and how we, that would tie into, you know, some of the interstate highways and trucking and, and other, uh, you know, other entities. So, the, and that was the preface back in, in 2014 mm -hmm. in our mm -hmm. conversations outside of, of, you know, like a case or something specific. Mm -hmm. she, was, she was pursuing information in that regard. So then fast forward to, um, what would it have been, 2020, 2021? 21, I think. 21? Yeah, I think. Um, 
you know, I'm starting to really um, do more and more pro bono, um, you know, wrongful deaths, misclassified, um, you know, deaths, you know, something that's classified as suicide, that's really a homicide. Um, and then just, you know, I don't want to say garden variety, but, you know, just cold case, cold cases that the families can't get any additional, um, mm-hmm. you know, information or, or any more uh, investigation from the public entities. So they're seeking any, any help that they can get to either, you know, follow up on and continue what had been done. Unfortunately, in some cases, things that had never been done, um, you know, so, with that happening more and more, you know, I just, I just had that, that started getting an overwhelming feeling that, you know, I'm doing these, you know, let's say like one, maybe one at a time, or if, if I'm able to do five a year or 10 a year. Um, and, <clears throat> you know, it just struck me one day and I said, you know, and I started to research, you know, like how, how would I be able to, you know, say do this on a larger scale? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, understanding, you know, the power of a not-for-profit, um, and, you know, the ability to reach not only nationwide, but worldwide. Um, I just had this overwhelming feeling. And I remember I was coming back, <laughs> I had been in the city and I was coming back, um, you know, out to, to where I live. And I just literally just pulled over and I just, you know, Kirsten and I ta- would text all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, like we knew if it was like, you know, chat, that it was something, you know, more that we needed to really kind of dig into and, you know, m- more, you know, more of a work related rather than just a, how you doing, what's going on, you know, just catching up. So I didn't even text her. I, I, I don't think, Oh, I think I text, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, available for a call now. No, just, I, yeah. 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 <laughs> so yes, like, I, 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 I text and I didn't even get a chance to, to pull over to wait for an answer. She just called me <laughs> directly. So then it was my turn to, to, to use a phrase that she had said to me a thousand times, I know you're going to think I'm crazy, <laughs> but you know, I, I, I just, I, I have this overwhelming feeling and I, I think we should this and whatever. And the, all, the first person that I thought to, to call, to ask, to, to co-found this with me is you, um, you know, mm-hmm. and, and she didn't even hesitate. And she was like, I'm in. Let's, let's, I started let's, crying. You know, yeah, yeah, you have the details, you know, you know, you know, so I said, you're like, I, I did the preliminaries, you know, like the best place to open the corporation, you know, like all, all the stuff mm-hmm. that we won't bore anybody with the details, but you know, I'd done all the preliminaries and now I was at the point where I was like, it's time to pull the trigger, um, you know, on this. And I just, I was like, I can't do this yeah. without, you know, my sister. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, and, and, you know, yeah. <laughs> I have to, I, I want to throw in something too. That's pretty cool. So one of the kids who he's in my book, you mentioned him, Tara, Jason, Okay. Um, Jason kicks my butt sometimes. Right. So he's the one that pops in and says, you know, nah, you can do better. Right. He's that, <laughs> he's that guy. So he, he popped in one day. I thought I was done with my book. I'd, I had written it. My agent was out there trying to sell it. Um, and I was like, yeah, I'm done. And he said, nope, put it away. So Jason pops in and says, put it away. You're going to be writing more. And frankly, I was kind of ticked off. (laughs) Honestly, I was like, oh, how long is this going to take? This has already taken like four years, right? To get this thing done. Uh, and then literally within, I don't know, a couple months, Mark 
calls and says, hey, let's do this. And I and I had, you know, intuitively known we were going to be working together down the road. It just all of that came together and it came together a week after I got the book deal. So when I got the book deal a week later, Mark calls and then guess what I add? I add that information to the book because now we have this organization that we can help people. You know, we can help families and at no cost to them. And, um, and that means a lot to both of us. I love that. Yeah. It's very cool. Um, and I'm reading some more comments of people yeah. who are saying things okay. about guardian angels, uh, and things that nature. And I think uh, Tara and I were talking about that. And actually my mother's favorite prayer was the guardian angel prayer, Aww. uh, which is interesting, but, uh, I was going to say, so mm -hmm. Mark, have you ever, been as cool as to appear on a nationally televised television program with other celebrities wanting to create a business with you. No, I have not, but <laughs> I, I, I believe that my co-founder has. <laughs> so, so, and that was an over here segue, by the way. For for uh, for our listeners yes. uh, or our viewers, you have uh, you have appeared on what program was that? I was on Shark Tank. <laughs> I was on Shark Tank years ago. Um, yes, I built a furniture company out of our garage, and I tell you what, I didn't know it at the time, but that was intuition. It was all intuition. I just didn't realize it. So I started building kids' furniture and went on Shark Tank in two thousand and eleven. I love and that. I, yeah, thank you. And got, I, and got I, a deal. I got a deal. Yeah. yeah you got a deal. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I got a deal. Who, I know. Who did you get a deal with? So I actually got, I got two offers. One was, uh, the first one was Damon, not Damon Johns. I'm, gosh, I'm going to mess this up. Um, oh my, the bald guy. I'm like, you called Kevin him the bald guy. Kevin, I called him the bald guy. Mr. Wonderful. Mr. Kevin? Wonderful. Yes. <laughs> All right. Sorry, Kevin. Uh, so he offered first and then Robert Hershevec offered second and Robert's offer was actually better than um, Kevin's. So I chose Robert's. Now, the interesting part of this is that it actually didn't go through after the show, which is oh. sometimes common sure. in these cases, especially in the early seasons. Yeah. Um, and of course, I was really bummed out. You know, I literally sat down and cried on my kitchen floor and drank a couple Coronas, not going to lie, uh, when I got that news. Uh, but what was so cool about it is that a year later, I ended up, you know, amassing some funding and then I just kept going. I just kept building because I had grown it on my own for the first four years. So I figured I could, I got this. So I kept building in the garage, kept growing. And then a year later it aired on Hulu and a true angel investor out of, and I'm saying true because this guy is a total angel on earth um, out of San Francisco wrote to me and said, did your deal go through? Because if not, I want to basically give you more money and you get to give away less equity. Hmm. Yes. So not only does Shark Tank still air and my company, Mod Mom Furniture, is still out there, um, but it's also such a beautiful story because I ended up getting, I got an investment deal too with Amazing. a really good guy. Really good guy. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. And uh, Mark, you have been, so how long were you active with the NOIPD? Um, I worked about 10 years and uh, vested to go into the private sector. I felt that I, um, would have more impact there. Yeah. Interesting. Um, and have you? 
I'd like to think so. You know, <laughs> I think so. Um, yeah. I'd like yeah. to brag on him for a second because he's fairly yeah, he's modest. Not, he's not telling me anything. He's, he's not, not giving, giving you anything. <laughs> I'm like, okay. This is how it is, right? Now you now you know what this feels like when he's like, can yeah. you look into this case? I'm, I'm um, not big on self-promotion. I'm sorry. Yeah, he's great. He's such a good, <laughs> such talk about good guy. And I, I will brag on him. I mean, he has just recently brought on two uh, incredible, Incredible, like renowned investigators in forensics and also um, and also homicide and serial killer investigators. And, you know, they jumped on board because of him. They were like, yeah, I'm it. Let we're in. We're absolutely in. Um, you know, he has that he has that effect because he's honest and true and it's authentic. And this is, you know, a passion of his and will always be. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Yeah. There you go. So uh, this is the this is the time for this shameless self promotion. So where can we find uh, both of you at? Well, you can find both of us at uh, National Institute for Law and Justice, but it's a shorter it's a shorter URL. It's nilj.org, um, and then I'm at kirstenhathcock.com. Is that right, Mark? Mark, Mark <laughs> Yes. Well. I I thought Kirsten did a phenomenal job. Thank you. <laughs> you know, like how can I improve on on you know that success already? You know, so that's funny. She's then, got you both. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then Tara, how can our audience find you? You can find me on Instagram. I'm most active on there. I'm Tara mm -hmm. Newell on there. T-E-R-R-A-N-E-W-E-L-L. -E -E I'm also on YouTube, Tara Newell. And then I have, I, I think I'm Tara Newell Survivor on here though. Mm -hmm. And okay. then on Twitter, I'm Tara underscore Newell. And then on TikTok, I'm Tara Newell. Awesome. Yes. So we find you on TikTok, YouTube, all that stuff. Are you guys all on the socials them. as well? Yeah, except yeah. Twitter. I, I, you know, there's always one I lag behind on, and right. and for me it was yeah. Twitter. But yeah, it's Kirsten Hathcock mostly, and then NILJ yeah. has an Instagram and uh, and Facebook as well. Yeah. Excellent. So Excellent. I I do have one thing to say. Ah, um, if 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 the floor is still available, it is. Um, <laughs> um, with nilj.org, um, anybody or any listeners that may be interested. Or, or have, you know, a personal, um, you know, case or, or, you know, or victims or, you know, a victim's family, you can go on nilj.org and click on uh, submit a case request and um, just follow, you know, tab through and follow all the prompts um, and we'll receive that and we'll uh, mm -hmm. give it, you know, a very, very uh, professional review. Um, to see, uh, most importantly, if we feel that we can um, help you or, mm -hmm. you know, uh, create, you know, a, a different outcome or, or uh, you know, even move, move the case farther down the road or ultimately our goal would be to give you, uh, you know, closure and possibly, uh, you know, determine, um, you know, any of the uh, perpetrators or anybody else and bring them to justice. Excellent. Uh, one last question from uh, one of our uh, subscribers, Tana. Mark, any plans yes. to write a book? You know, it's. Um, I always feel like there's so many other people that you know are more would be more worthy and have um, you know more you know stories, including uh, 
my national director of investigations is a, a gentleman named, uh, he's a retired NYPD detective, um, you know, 25 years on the job and spent the last 10 in, in the cold case homicide squad. So um, I have a feeling that um, at a minimum, we'll be doing something like that together. Um, but I would always be interested in, um, you know, telling my, you know, sorted tales from both, uh, you know, and working undercover in the NYPD for the majority of my career. Um, and then, um, you know, over 20 years in the private sector now, mm -hmm. um, you know, some hair raising uh, experiences and some very, um, you know, satisfying um, closure that we've been able to bring, you know, to, uh, to many, many families. Mm -hmm. Mark, I have chills on that, by the way, so get on it. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> That's your sign. <laughs> yeah. That's about uh, as far as I go into self-promotion. I reached my, <laughs> my, reach my complete limit right there. <laughs> Last thing, somebody just asked if the case can be old that you were yes. mentioning before. Yes, yes. Yes. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, uh, uh, William Simon, who I mentioned, mm -hmm. um, actually solved over 10 cases that were more than 20 years old. And the oldest case was uh, committed in 1980. So um, wow. we're absolutely able to, to go back. And a lot of technology that exists today, if something hasn't been revisited, um, the technology has you know, grown leaps and bounds. And um, you know, there's always possibilities and advancements in DNA um, you know, and other forensics um, that when you revisit something, um, it's amazing how, you know, the information could be right there where 10 years ago it, it wasn't even attainable. Somebody asked, uh, one of our channel members asked, uh, Kathleen Welsh says, has Mark looked into Gilgo beach? <laughs> Very funny. Um, I actually just, I just finished reading a book called, uh, Jimmy the King, um, which is, um, specifically about, um, the former police commissioner in Suffolk County, Long Island, um, and all the sordid uh, things that happened beginning back in 1979, um, you know, in, in, in Suffolk County, Long Island. Um, the Gilgo Beach, uh, you know, uh, murders are definitely, uh, were formally entrenched even in discussions in this book, which dealt more with, um, you know, the police department and uh, the judicial system, you know, the district attorney's office and stuff in, in that county. Um, but, um, you know, that's, there's a lot of, um, you know, uh, complexities with that because of the way that it was orig originally handled or more accurately not handled. Um, and there, there's a loss of a lot of um, possible information both witness, um, you know, say closed circuit television, you know, TV or security mm -hmm. video and uh, right down to even the forensics. So um, one of the things I would love to look into, but it just may be, um, you know, just ruined beyond um, the ability mm -hmm. to, to push it further, unfortunately. Hmm. And I don't know that case at all. So. I don't either. But I'll have I, to look I, into I sort of, yeah, I sort of got yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the, yeah, the quick overview with it, it's uh, a suspected, uh, you know, serial killer or mm. several or several mm -hmm. together. Okay. Um, one, um, uh, a woman who was uh, a prostitute who was, mm -hmm. you know, answering, um, you know, either 
Craigslist or back pages or something, mm -hmm. uh, I believe came from, uh, New Jersey out to Gilgo beach, which is, a mm. it's a, you know, on the ocean beach, uh, kind of, uh, you know, vacation area. Um, and she went missing. So her mom, um, really, really created, you know, a lot of, um, you know, noise in, in, you know, trying to push and urge, um, the news and the police mm -hmm. department to look for her. So in the cursory search to find her, um, they found other remains. Mm. And then when they, they said, oh, well, you know, he, I believe it was they found two remains very close to each other. It's very swampy and marshy. Um, then they actually came in and did, you know, a comprehensive grid search with dogs and, and everything. And then they mm. found multiple, probably mm. more okay. than a dozen other skeletal remains. So... They actually wow. stumbled across stumbled across a dump site, um, and all the women, you know, most of the women were, you know, in burlap bags, mm -hmm. and then, okay. you know, um, you know, sh buried shallowly in the swampy, uh, you know, area. And then they ultimately ended up finding the girl they were originally looking for, um, you know, sometime later. Wow. Um, and she was, you know, within a mile of where she was last seen. Um, but, the, but there's a lot of just, you know, a lot of convoluted theories and, mm -hmm. and crossover and, you know, everything, it wasn't, it wasn't really a, like a, a, a neat, clean, tight investigation. Mm -hmm. okay. So it makes it that much more complicated. Excellent. Um, well, I want to say thank you all so much. There is one more okay. question for Kirsten. Okay. Somebody said, if you feel that there's a presence around you, how do you, welcome if you strongly feel there is something or someone around you uh-huh how do you speak with them okay so um so what i do is i've had to set up a lot of boundaries because i think that's a good thing to do um with with those in the afterlife and also those here on earth right <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> so what i do is i ask that my we all have guides and angels around us however you want to phrase that and I ask that those guides and angels let through whoever is for my highest good, like whoever is good for me. And if that person, whoever's coming in, if I feel them strongly is good for me um, and is meant to talk with me, then I basically just, you know, for me, I just recognize that they're there and then everything kind of starts to move. Like I start to see visions. I'll start to hear um, I'll start to smell. It's all the clairs, as they call it in the woo world. You can also just ask, like if you feel someone's around you, you can ask for them to please show you signs. Um, you could say, you know, please uh, show me pennies. Um, please, you know, anything, anything like a, a nickel or a penny is a conduit. Like you would, you know, oh, like electricity, yeah. right? So the yeah. electromagnetic field, right? It, it's easy to manipulate. It's easy to... Um, move energy through. And that's really what spirit is, their energy. Like we're all energy. And that's what, that's, that's kind of how I think of it as well. So I hope that answered the question. It's just more of being open to it. I have found um, and just asking that, you know, your guides and angels are around you and making sure that they have your back and whoever comes through is meant to come through for you. That's uh that's sage advice. Thank you yeah. so much. Um, I want to say thank you to all of you for joining today. My guests have been Kirsten Hathcock and the retired detective Mark Pucci and the wonderful Tara Newell. 
Thank you guys so much for joining the program. Thank you so much for having yeah, us. Thank this you. Awesome. Thank you, Tara. That was, was great. Thank you. I want to say thank you to all everyone who listened and tuned in today to the live here on YouTube. If you are finding this program as uh, as dynamic and engaging as I think all of you are, please consider supporting this program via Patreon or subscribing to my channel here on YouTube and becoming a member. All of your support really helps support bringing guests like this and doing this program not only live, but also creating the podcast itself. www.colliorlandry.com forward slash links to support. I also take free coffee as well. So anyways, thank you all so much for tuning in. On that note, I'm Collier Landry, and this is Moving Past Trauma. Thanks, y'all. This podcast is made possible by support from listeners just like you. For exclusive content around this podcast, please consider supporting me via Patreon by going to collierlandry.com forward slash support. Please subscribe via Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from, and please leave us a five-star review. If you want to see video episodes of this podcast, please check out my YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash collierlandry. You can find links to additional resources in the show notes of today's episode. This podcast is a production of Don't Touch My Radio. Copyright, Collier Landry.